Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Park. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who, wa- anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went he went without knowing where he was going. And even though he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and, no- and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, 
Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle, and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. 
For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Verses 1 through 40, all of Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Father, once again for the wonderful gift of your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have of being able to to develop our faith and to grow our faith as we spend time with you one-on-one reading, meditating, and thinking on your word. Thank you for the blessings that are ours every day as we open your word and spend time with you. And thank you for how that you pour light, grace, peace, mercy, joy, strength, and encouragement mightily into our hearts and our minds every single day as we spend time in your word. Father, with every passing day, more and more empowers to be faithful hearers and doers of your word and believers who are wise enough to fill our hearts and our minds every day with an abundance of your word, with its grace, power, peace, and light that comes with it. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson, and we invite you to please make it your goal to pray daily for the ministry of the American Family Association. We desire and need your prayers. Please pray much for the work in the ministry of the American Family Radio Network. Again, we desire and need your prayers every day. And we ask for prayer for this broadcast. You know, one of the goal, one of our goals is to, or a couple of our goals are to encourage every listener to become a vibrant, strong prayer warrior who knows how to pray to get things done through your prayer life, but also simply to be a faithful, strong, spirit-filled disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has so much work to be done. And as big and great as our Heavenly Father is, God desires to do exploits every day through His disciples as we simply listen to God's Word and His Spirit and obey. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be used of you every single day. Fill us all anew with your Spirit, your joy, and your peace. Empower us more and more to to be believers who fully expect aren't expecting you to do great things in us and through us every single day. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Today we're looking at the topic, living a life of great expectation. Again, living a life of great expectation. I want to take a moment now specifically to share Psalm 23. Psalm 23, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Verses 1 through 6, all of Psalm 23. Again, as I mentioned, we're looking today at the topic, living a life of great expectation. And I want you to focus on the latter part of Psalm 23. Reading verses 4 to 6 once again, it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows 
Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, especially focusing on the message and the words of wisdom from the last verse of Psalm 23, reading it one more time, Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And that last verse really does draw out the important point behind our our focus topic for today, living a life of great expectation. Remember this, the Word of God lets us know in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So our goal as believers is all our life to be growing in faith and learning to develop our faith and operating in faith every single day. Because remember, no matter how much you fast or or uh, pray or whatever else you may do, if you don't operate in faith, the Word of God lets us know it's impossible to please God. So we should be students, lifelong students in the school of faith all our life who never graduate because our goal is to always be learning more and more how to take our faith and put it to work. So verse 6 is a good verse to quote every day of your life. Again, it says, Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will do, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good confession. And remember, there's power in our words. The Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And when we speak the promises of God's word, we're speaking great words of faith and power and grace. So say, speaking that verse often throughout the day is wise. Surely, just saying that many times, Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. All the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. It expresses the, the, the whole point, the truth. Live with great expectation of God. Our job is to always agree with God and to believe that God will do His job. Our job is to believe that God will do His job by keeping His Word. God is in the business of fulfilling His Word. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to be hearers and doers who live a life of great expectation. Anoint us afresh with the grace to do just that every day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Looking at the topic, living a life of great expectation, we'll be right back.
songs I think of Abraham How one star he saw had been lit for me He was a stranger in this land And I am that no less than he and Music of Rich Mullins with Sometimes by Steph Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio we're looking today at the topic, living a life of great expectation. And of course, you know, the the Bible word hope is a very important word. Now, I've, I've found um, past, from, a, I, I guess I, I could say from a pastoral perspective, is that often believers don't seem to grasp what the word hope really means. I think for many believers, they think of the word as meaning a weak, meaning a weak wish. Well, a Bible definition of hope is great expectation. It's great expectation that God's word is going to come to pass. And so as we're looking at the topic, living life of great expectation, remember this, faith and hope work hand in hand, and we're to live expectation with great hope that God is going to keep his word. Looking now in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I want to share this. You know, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is uh, a little bit longer chapter than many other chapters in the word of God. This particular chapter literally has right at, 57 verses in it, but it's a powerful chapter with one of the best-known stories in all of the Word of God, the story about David and Goliath. But keep in mind, this as, as we read this chapter, I want to encourage you to listen to the details, all the details, because God powerfully paints a picture of a young man by the name of David who, long before he even became king, had great expectation in the bigness of his God. He recognized how big his God was and how able his heavenly father was to accomplish great things that would glorify him, build his kingdom, and tear down the kingdom of darkness. So listen to the details of 1 Samuel chapter 17 as it tells the story of David in this time, at this time in his life. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko and in Judah in Azekah at Ephes Damim. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill you, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were all terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem, 
in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimeah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three, David's three older David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your, to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks, hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give him, he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers a stand, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. 
I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I have come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut your head off, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Shearim, as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistines' head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. As Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse and we live in Bethlehem. Again, verses 1 through 57, all of 1 Samuel chapter 17.
Now, let me say very clearly to every listener, the 1 Samuel chapter 17 is a powerful chapter that, again, one of the best-known stories in all of the Word of God, the story of David as he fought Goliath. But keep in mind, it's a powerful faith chapter. It has many important faith lessons for us to learn. Note this, King Saul was the king of the army of Israel. The Israelites were the soldiers in the army of the nation that was dedicated to God. Yet they were all afraid of the enemy. They were all afraid of Saul, and uh, none of them dared step out on the field. Yet God used one young man who had faith and trust in him, who believed in the bigness of his God. David stepped out to challenge Goliath, and not only challenged him, stepped out, fought him, and defeated him in the power and the grace of God. One of many important lessons that God would like for us to learn and draw from this powerful chapter is that God wants to use every single believer to do great exploits in this world. But a key to doing that is we need to keep our eyes not on the problem, keep our eyes not on the giants that we face, but to keep our eyes on the bigness of our God. The problems and the storms, the difficulties we face— pale in comparison as we keep our eyes on the bigness of our God. Our Heavenly Father is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. So we should live every day with great expectations. Why? Because we serve a big God, a great God, who is He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. He's El Elyon, God Most High. He's all these and so, so much more. We need to remember how big our Heavenly Father really, really is. Lord, thank you for the fact that your word teaches us time and time again. From Genesis to Revelation, you let us know that the whole Bible is a book of faith, a book that is teaching and equipping us to be faith servants and faith disciples who look to you, who trust you, and are believing you, Lord, to do great things in us and through us. Help us more and more to live with li- to live lives of great expectation, believing, Lord, that your every promise you're more than able to fulfill. Help us to be mindful and help us to grow in our understanding of the fact that you are a God, that you're in the business of fulfilling your word. And our job is simply to hear your word and to trust your word and obey it. Help us to know that every day is a day that you desire to reach through us to accomplish great things. You desire to use us to help many people come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. You desire to use us to minister to others, to be able to pray for others, to reach through us, others to heal, to encourage, to bless their lives. You seek to reach through us to teach others truths that will bless them for for today and for all eternity. Help us to know, Lord, that every day, Your Holy Spirit inside of us is more than able to do great things as we simply live with great expectations of the bigness of who you are and what you've come to do in us and through us. Thank you for the chance to be vessels in your hands. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. We're looking today at the topic, living a life of great expectation. We'll be right back. Free. 
music of Elevation Worship with O Sing. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We're looking today at the topic, Living a Life of Great Expectation. And remember, again, the Bible, the Bible definition of hope is a great and a grand and a very important definition. Uh, the true meaning of the word hope is great expectation. And so when we hear the promises of God and read the promises of God's Word, we're to live in great expectation that God will always, always, always keep His Word. Remember this, you're never wrong to agree with God. And the fact is, often when we read promises in God's Word, the devil will try to tell you that's not true for you, that won't work for you. But remember this, you're never wrong to agree with God, and we're wise to agree with God. And so we should speak the promises of God over our lives and in our lives, stand on those promises and act like we expect God to keep his word because God is in the business of fulfilling his word. So we need to act like God's word is true as well. So when you read a promise, act on it, step out on in faith on it and let God know you do believe that he's going to keep his word because remember, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But with faith, we can do great exploit, exploits in the kingdom of God. In the book of Genesis chapter 27, a familiar and powerful story is found of Isaac and his sons, Jacob and Esau. Genesis chapter 27, beginning at verse 1. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I, know, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. Reading that verse again, that sentence. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebecca overheard what but Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal, just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you? Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, It's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done, I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. 
Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father, and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau, he asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, Sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, Who are you? Esau replied, It's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and, uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a cry, he let out, excuse me, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I've guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give to you, my son? Esau pleaded, But do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will... I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plans. 
So she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I, why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. Verses 1 through 46, all of Genesis chapter 27. You know, Genesis chapter 27 is a powerful chapter with a very unique and interesting story about Isaac and his two sons. Let me just share a few insights that are powerful truths about faith and living a life of great expectation. Note this, apparently both Esau and Jacob, it seems that both of them knew that when their father Isaac prayed, things happened. You know, Scripture doesn't seem to say a whole lot about Isaac, but one thing it does seem to point out is that Isaac was a great man of faith, and when he prayed, he prayed in such a way that once he prayed for it, he considered it done. That's how. That's the kind of expectation he had behind his prayers. And it appears that Jacob and Esau picked up on that because both of them longed to have their father's blessing because they knew that when their father pray, pray, would pray a blessing, whatever he prayed a blessing on, that thing or that person was blessed. And Jacob was willing to deceive to try to get his brother's blessing because, again, both of them seemed to recognize and valued their father's blessing. A good question for you and I to ask is, do we pray with that kind of expectation? Do you pray believing God that once you've prayed in line with the Word of God, in your mind, the matter is done? That's a wise way to pray. Praying with great expectation that once you've prayed it, the matter is done and dealt with. That's how Jesus prayed, and that's how God calls us all to pray. That, again, believing that we receive it once we have prayed it. Live, living and praying with a life of great expectation that way. And so, even after Jacob had prayed, a, after Isaac had prayed a blessing on his son Jacob, and then when Esau came in, very upset that his brother had gotten his, his blessing, he wanted Isaac to bless him too. Well, Isaac basically, again, his response to Esau was basically, son, I've already blessed him and he's going to be blessed. In Isaac's mind, once he prayed it, it was done. What a powerful way to pray. But now a whole other point is, as well is Esau wanted to know, Father, don't you have any more blessings? Well, the fact is you and I, through our prayer lives, we don't just have just one blessing. We don't just have two blessings. Through our prayer lives, we can bless people every day of our lives. Parents, we can pray a blessing over our children every day. We can pray a blessing over ourselves every day. We can pray a prayer like the prayer of Jabez over ourselves or over our children or over whatever we may have every single day. And God will bless it every single day we pray it. There's great power, grace, and blessing behind our lives of prayer. We're all called to live a life of great expectation. Father, anoint us afresh with the spirit of grace that we would more and more grow to better live in such a way that every day we pray with great expectation. We live with great expectation. We live with great expectation that you will always, always, always keep your word. Help us to live in such a way, Lord, that we're doing our job of trusting you and help us to be mindful that our job is to believe that you will do your job. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we 
usually do before we end the broadcast. If you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior, today is a great day to get saved. If you'd like to pray and fully commit your heart and your life to the Lord, would you simply from your heart pray this prayer with me? Just pray, repeat it with me even now. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so, so much. You came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins and all the wrong things I've done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things. I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. Your word tells us, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, now I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we invite you, please get in touch with us. My email, joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We would like to share with you some literature and resource material that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk with our Lord and Savior, walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, joseph at afr.net. Please be in touch with us again, joseph at afr.net. We've been looking today at the topic, living a life of great expectation. And may you live and speak the promises of God over your life daily. Stand on the promises and act like God's word is true because it is. Live today and every day with a life of great expectation that God will always, always, always keep his word. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.